you know, white, straight men, like, you know, that come from these very- Are you calling me out? Backgrounds. No, I'm just kidding. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today, Tani. Uh, it's really good to have you on. I know that uh, I've been excited to have you here. So we've been talking about this for about a month now. So good to have you here. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. So tell me a little bit about why you started writing. I know that in your website, you talk about how uh, J.R. Tolkien and things like that was kind of your influence to get you down the path. But what got you to that point of actually putting, well, I'd probably not pen to paper necessarily, but... You know, it did start as start as pen to paper, actually. So I started writing when I was um, a kid. I always have really loved stories. I've been, always been a really big reader. Um, and then, yeah, when I read Lord of the Rings, like something about the fantasy world and just like how immersive it was, I just really fell in love with that and really wanted to make my own worlds and stories. Um, when I was about 14, we moved from Southern California to a very small rural town in Idaho. And that was obviously a big culture shock. Um, I was not happy about it. I was pretty mad um, and just kind of really jumped into the writing at that point. Um, it kind of became my way to to cope with life and um, just, you know, something positive to look forward to and to enjoy um, at a time when I was pretty frustrated with everything else um, and, and just really fell in love with it and just, yeah, kept writing. And that's kind of how I how I make sense of the world. Well, now that's an interesting comment, how you make sense of the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, just through through writing and stories, I guess. That, that's just something that always has um, resonated with, with me, just stories in general. And um, now being able to tell my own stories, I think that's that's a big part of how I, yeah, just how I make sense of the world, how I deal with things that come up in life. and Cathartic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand that, characters and Mm -hmm. lot obviously but characters especially yeah. i use them a lot to uh express feelings that i don't necessarily have the ability to express easily right right yeah right yeah, well, i'm a much better cool. much better writer than i am like verbally talking so it, it's good to be able to express yourself that way i think <laughs> i bet you're pretty good at talking you, i've heard you on <laughs> podcasts and on youtube you do just fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> So what, um, so what I noticed that you, uh, said speculative, um, uh, <laughs> I'm really good at talking as you can tell <laughs> speculative <laughs> fiction. What, what really attracted you to that genre specifically? I don't know. I think just the escapism of it a little bit, there's definitely an element of that. And also just, um, like the ability it gives me to be, I guess a little more creative and a little more imaginative with the things, the the stories that I'm creating and the characters that I'm writing about. No, that makes perfect sense. So it's the, uh, well, the lack of a better word, speculativeness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So when you're, when you're writing, what kind of process do you use? Are you, uh, what do they call a pantser or a plotter? Or a, uh, what's the other one? The in-between one. Planter or whatever. Planter, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm definitely more of a plotter. Um, I like to create a really pretty extensive outline before I get going. 
um, and then just kind of write, write based off of that. I do still like to allow myself some flexibility to like change things as I go along. There's always new ideas that will come to you or you'll be writing a scene and a character will, you know, decide to act differently than how you envision them acting originally. And so then we just make adjustments, but. I know that yeah. feeling. I just had it happen today. No, oh, nice. There you passing go. that cust- that character out a little. Yeah. <laughs> like really like, mess everything up, you know? I know, right. Yeah. Like I had plot already. Why why did you have to go off the plot? Right. Now I stick have to, to the think. script, man. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so when you outline, because <clears throat> uh I, I know when I've talked to different uh authors over the years, there's so many different ways of looking at an outline. Um, I, I've seen people that would take you know, and actually come up with character goals, scene goals, uh, different elements that they want to put in and very detailed. They almost are writing before they write. And then I've mm-hmm. seen, you know, a lot less where it's more just an outline, maybe uh, a basic goal that they want to get accomplished, some, you know, real basic words that they want or emotion or whatever they want out of it. What kind of uh, uh, outline do you typically graph towards yeah they end up pretty detailed so kind of more like the first option you described where where everything's pretty laid out as far as what what are the goals of this scene what are the characters motivations in this scene what are the purposes what are we doing here um but usually i start outlining well in advance of when i write a book because i just have so many ideas um and so usually i have have an idea for a a book and I'll just have like a bunch of notes in my phone or that I just am jotting down um, that are like pieces of plot or like certain scenes that I know I want to include, maybe a character idea or something like that. Um, And then when I actually sit down to like create an outline and kind of lay everything out in order, then it does turn into something a lot more detailed. That's very detailed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) It's a lot. I I, I have started calling my outline like a draft zero because honestly like they end up being for this recent fantasy novel that I just released I think the novel was like a hundred thousand words but the outline was like thirty thousand words so oh geez that's a lot <laughs> so of words it gets in an outline yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> so when you're when you're outlining then do you actually will, will you actually write out dialogue or things like that as you're thinking of kind of how you want something to go that kind of thing yeah, sometimes a lot of times as I'm writing it, it will kind of start to come to me and I I just don't want to forget it. So then I just kind of just write everything down. It's very like stream of consciousness kind of stuff. It's not a very coherent um, story at that point, but there's a lot of details in there that I can work off of. Excellent. So switching gears just a little bit from the outlining process to more of the publishing part. So now you, you um, self-published, correct? Yes. Yeah. What made you decide to self-publish as opposed to traditional publish? So I definitely was one of those people who just couldn't hack it in traditional publishing, which I'm now very ashamed of. I I definitely had that mentality. Um, And then I, one of my friends, um, EJ Fish, she writes science fiction novels. Mm -hmm. Um, Her and I have known each other for a long time and kind of started reading each other's stories. Um, Just, we met over the internet and we're kind of writing both assassin stories. So um, we exchanged chapters and and started reading each other's stories. Um, And she then decided to self-publish her book. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting because like I have a lot of respect for her as a writer. I think she's a really 
phenomenal writer and she probably could be traditionally published if she wanted to. Um, and so I, I, that, yeah, so that went against my, my mindset at the time that, um, that self-publishing was for people who couldn't make it in traditional publishing. So then I had to do a little more research and, um, figured out that it was, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and that, yeah, there are self-publishing. Definitely. There are a lot of really great, great self-published books and it can be a very viable way to get your books out there. Um, I had finished writing my dystopian novel at that point um, and was kind of trying to decide what to do with it and just decided to to self-publish. I can't remember exactly all the all the reasons why I decided to do that. I did really like the like the control element, being able to like make my own book covers and mm-hmm. um, not change too much about the story if I didn't want to. At that point, I had been working on it for like five years. So oh, I really did not want to go back and do like super extensive revisions. I finally had gotten it to a point where I was happy with it. So I was like, yeah, we'll just we'll self-publish this thing, I think. See, I, I, yeah, I, when I first started looking at it and I saw that self-publishing was no longer vanity publishing, mm-hmm. that it was an actually, you know, thanks to platforms like Amazon and, you know, KDP, those kinds of things, they really opened that up to a completely new new market. And for authors like you or EJ Fish, um, definitely, I think we would be at a loss. There would be so many great books that would just not exist. There's just not enough publishing houses to handle it anyways. There is. And I think the other part that's really important to me too about self-publishing, I think, is just the the way that it's set up. And you think about the people that are on top that are making the decisions are often people who are, you know, white, straight men, like, you know, that come from these very- Are you calling me out? Backgrounds. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, but like, I, I think it's really important to have like, more accessible options for everybody you know mm-hmm. and, and self-publishing definitely brings that accessibility that i think is important yeah yeah i agree with you the diversity yeah yeah so many more genres have popped up since mm-hmm. too that never would have been a genre uh, yeah. prior to that yeah. yeah i agree with you so when you when you went down the self-publishing road uh, when did you start 2016 was when i first started Okay, so you you started a couple of years after the boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you started, what have you seen change since 2016 to now when you're doing it? Oh man. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like I'm <laughs> really out of the loop when it comes to like what's going on in the self-publishing world. I just kind of write my stories and publish them. I should probably like be more on top of that, but, um, but I'm not. Um, one big thing that I have noticed, I guess, in the last few years is TikTok has been like really huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been like a decent marketing platform for me. And I know for like a ton of uh, other um, self-published authors as well. So I think that's- So what do you do when you do uh, book talk or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, no, I just make, um, make videos. A lot of the, I'll try to find like the sounds that are trending and use those, um, to make a book, see how, or to make a video, see how I I can connect it to either my writing process or my book. Um, and then just, just kind of make videos, um, throw them up there. Most of the time they get like 200 views and then stop. But once in a while you have one that gets, gets a little traction and that seems to bump up the page reads on KU or, you know, I'll see a a sale or two that day as opposed to zero, which is always nice. (laughs) Yes. 
I know even, even one is nice. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it elevates your mood a little. Exactly. So let's look, uh, talk a little bit about your uh, background here. So clinical social worker. Well, so I'm a therapist right now. I work for an agency that specializes in like attachment and trauma issues. So we work with kids that are in foster care or kids who have like been, uh, been adopted out of foster care and their families, um, just really trying to deal with the trauma and, um, set them up for success going forward, work on their attachment issues and, and all of that. Um, I interviewed a, an author a while ago and he had gone through trauma, which a lot of us have. Um, yeah. But he actually wrote a uh, an autobiography basically about what he had gone through. Um, do you encourage writing in your uh, in your therapy sessions, things like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, obviously it depends on the client and what they're, they're comfortable with and things like that. But, um, but I do think writing can be really cathartic um, and is a good way to express feelings. Um, Sometimes that's really hard for people to talk about out loud too, or to like express to the person who has hurt them. Um, So I will, will oftentimes have them write a letter or just write how they're feeling or do journaling or things like that. I think it can be really valuable. I've uh, always been a proponent of writing the unsent letters. You know, whether you send it or not doesn't matter. It's getting it out. Right. It has the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty powerful. So how long have you been a, a social worker, a clinical social worker, therapist? Um, I I started with this job I coming up on four years now, I think. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So you're still very much in the uh, honeymoon phase of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It helps that I just work part-time. So I, I do that part-time. I work about 20 hours a week and then um, have kind of made the writing and and my art stuff like this other business side thing that I do that um, is definitely beneficial to kind of the heavier, heavier work that I do in like therapy stuff mm-hmm. um, because that it's, it's heavy work, you know, it's, it's really rewarding and I love it, but it's heavy and I admire the people who can do it full time, but I, I don't know that I will ever be one of those people, honestly. Yeah. Just going through your own therapy can be yeah. difficult, but to, to watch multiple people go through the same thing can be very mm-hmm. overwhelming at times. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what's your favorite thing about writing? Um, my favorite thing, I don't know, just the, just the creativity of it, just being able to express myself, you know, and just mm-hmm. make up whatever I want. What's your least favorite thing? My least favorite thing. Um, I really hate first drafts. I think that's why I write such big outlines is because I hate first drafts. Um, if I, if I have at least a good solid outline to go on, then I can just kind of get through the first draft part but I hate it because it's like every single word you write is garbage not every you know but it feels like I know it. yeah I know. <laughs> yes yes I uh I feel yeah. that one <laughs> heavily <laughs> um yeah so you do art too right you're mm-hmm. also a art and design type person mm-hmm. so do you design your own book covers I do. Yeah. I know that's not advisable for everybody, but um, I do it. I enjoy doing it. When I first started publishing, I was still in college and we were, you know, financially unstable. And I just like, I just couldn't hire somebody to, to do a book cover. It just wasn't realistic. So, so I just have taught myself how to do the, yeah, the covers and the formatting and a lot of stuff. Oh, you do it all. Yes. Yeah. I do have like a lot of people that help me with like the editing and the revising and and all of that stuff. Um, 
But, I think yeah. that's advisable for anybody. You shouldn't edit everything yourself. You definitely no. want somebody else's eyes on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's the uh, the term? Uh, killing your darlings. Yeah. <laughs> you need somebody else to see that they need to die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. In addition to uh, obviously drawing and reading and writing, you like uh, little video games? Are you like EJ as well and play the Mass Effect? I do. Yeah. I think she was the one that actually got me interested in those um, and and got me playing that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Very cool. So how many books do you have out now? Oh, geez. Um, seven, I think. Is that include would, the children's book? Uh, I always forget that one. So I think it's actually eight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. are you going to do more children's book? book? I keep thinking about it, um, but I haven't yet. Um, the Like I have ideas for the stories. Um, it's the art that is really overwhelming to me. Um, that the illustrations I did for my one children's book took forever to do. And it was mm. kind of soul sucking by the end, honestly. Oh. Um, and <laughs> like, it was fun, but it was also just like, okay, I'm just like, so ready to be done with this and just have it finished and get it out there. So right. yes, I, I want to do another children's book, but um, the process of doing the illustrations is really daunting. <laughs> so how did, how did, when you do the, cause uh, I know that I've been uh, talked to others about this and that want to do children's book, you know, you come up with ideas all the time, especially you've got children. I, I mm-hmm. a lot of people that have children, you know, make up stories for your kids anyways. Um, and you're like, yo, you know, that would actually probably be a pretty good children's book. I just need to edit it and do this and that. And then, but the process is a lot more than just writing. Yeah, it's far less words. So you can't write like you would normally write. Mm -hmm. So how what kind of process did you go through when you were actually planning and executing really your children's book? Yeah, so that so the children's book I actually wrote for my senior project in high school originally. Um, And so as part of that senior project, I had to do a lot of research about children's books and like what makes them work? um, Why are they like, how are they different from like, a short story or a novel or something else that you would write. Um, one of the biggest things that I learned and have really tried to take in take into account when I was working on that one was that you have to keep in mind what parts of the story can be told through the pictures because that is going to eliminate a lot of your word count. You don't need to describe everything because you're going to have a picture that shows a lot of that stuff. Mm. Um, and and so yeah, just to to keep that in mind and and think about the kinds of illustrations that you're going to be including with that. It helps, I think, for me, because I I illustrated that one, and I would probably go ahead and illustrate future ones myself. Um, but I think- Even though it was were, a pain? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, right, at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't know how people do it when they're just writing the story. And like that's got to be a really collaborative process with the illustrator, I would imagine. That's what I would think. I mean- even even writing a novel, you have a scene in your head for most things, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a picture. So I would think that with a children's book, you would basically do the same thing, only the words should come next after mm-hmm. you come up with the scene mm-hmm. to, you know, and then kind of describe it. But I, I always wondered, you know, how how would you work with somebody to do that? I mean, all of that happens up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to make sure it comes out the way that you picture it and that it's right for the story. Yeah, it would be 
be hard. So what uh, what did you find most successful um, out of your books? Is it is it your your you do YA, right? Mostly. Yeah. 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 So I have a dystopian series that's more new adult, but, you know, it kind of skews more YA. Um, and then my current series that I'm working on is fantasy, um, YA fantasy. Yeah. So which uh, which one have you gotten the most traction with? Uh, the fantasy series, for sure. I think a big part of that was because it was recently a finalist in the Spiffbo contest. I don't know if you are familiar oh, yeah. with that. Um, well, well but... go ahead and tell the listeners. Yeah, yeah. So Spiffbo stands for the Self-Published Fantasy Blog Off. It's run by Mark Lawrence, who is a pretty well-known traditional um, fantasy author. And um, so it's 300 books get entered every year. And then they're assigned out to 10 different judges. And then each judge will pick one book to be a finalist. So you have 10 finalists at the end of the contest. And then all of the judges read those and pick a winner. So to have your book even picked as a finalist is it's was certainly like the biggest most awesome thing that's ever happened to me in my author career so far um and I think a lot of people picked up the book from that um and yeah so that's that's been my most successful one so far I think well congratulations on that by the way that's really awesome yeah so when you when you uh when you're doing those kinds of things submitting do you submit to various contests or did, was that kind of your your one hurrah with it no there was another one that i've submitted to called uh the book bloggers novel of the year award i think bbnya um i've submitted to that one a couple times um that one has a really low entry fee um and then spiffbo is free so like why not right right yeah but that's just for uh, fantasy, if I remember right, correct? Spiffo is just for fantasy. There right. is a science fiction version that started recently. Um, I think that one's called SPSFC, but I can't remember what it stands for. <laughs> Probably something to do with science fiction. Yeah. yeah, but if any authors are listening out there, like definitely check those out. I think they're, if nothing else, like it's a really good way to just get some visibility. We're all just trying to get our books seen, honestly, like that's a uphill battle in and of itself. So um, why not? It's free to enter. Might as well. Yeah. It's not like, uh, it's not like uh, we're all uh, Stephen King or whatever. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Just have a name. Yeah. 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 (laughs) That would be, uh, that would be wonderful. I would, uh, I would gladly write as much as he does. If uh, (laughs) if I could just write full-time, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So how do you utilize your experiences the most when you're writing how do you translate that do you translate it with characters do you come up with things that that you've had happen and and use that for scenes how how do you use your life when you're writing yeah i think it's a little bit of all of those things um sometimes it's like inspiration from other things other stories that have really resonated with me Um, A lot of times that's kind of where the idea starts. But then as I'm writing, there will be definitely pieces of myself that I kind of um, explore through, through characters or, or through the story. And, and I think, I guess, just thinking of an an example from my young adult fantasy series that I'm still working on um, that book, the first book, especially focuses a lot on like trauma and healing from trauma. And I think 
like using my knowledge and experience. Um, I have had several readers tell me that um, they found that, that those elements of the book worked really well, um, which is is always good to hear, um, especially because it was something that I was kind of scared to write about um, and wanted to execute properly, especially because I do have the knowledge and the experience, so I should be able to do it right, right? Um, so so I was a little nervous about that, but um, to hear people say that it, that it has worked with them, um, that's that's really meaningful. So yeah, just kind of any kind of knowledge or experience I have, I think makes its way into their um, experiences I've had, things like that. Yeah, that's, I think that that is probably the most um, connection that you get from, from somebody's writing is when it comes from true experience. You get a lot, yeah. you, you get that sense, that ring of truth with it. Right. Yeah. It feels real. Get. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing with characters. Um, right. The more realistic they are, usually they're an amalgamation of multiple people, but mm-hmm. you usually have some kind of muse that you're using. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something to draw on, I think is important, you know, and, and why they say, write what you know. And I think there's some, some value in that, you know, why not, why not write what you know? Yeah, I agree so with you. Make stuff up, but you know, if you can, well, you still make stuff up. Draw on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's the fun part making stuff up. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the less deep stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what is your favorite scene that you've ever written? Oh man. Let's see. Um, there's a scene in Tethered Spirits, which is my young adult fantasy novel, um, the, the first book in that series. And the character is cursed with immortality, but he has a version of immortality where he comes back to life every time he dies. He just doesn't remember anything. Um, so he's lost all his memories. The whole book he has been kind of building up to him, um, figuring out what's going on with him and getting his memories back. And mm-hmm. there's a scene that involves magic and like all this other stuff um, that comes into play. And it was a really complicated scene to write, honestly. And I... Yeah, was really nervous about that one too. wasn't sure if, if I was going to be able to pull it off, and it went through multiple, multiple rewrites. But um, I'm really proud of how it turned out. That was probably the most fun to write. There was just a lot going on, and it's kind of exciting and interesting. There's a lot of like emotional stakes as well, and yeah, so I just really enjoyed that one. That's awesome. Now, reverse. What was the one scene that you dreaded writing, and you'd still dread when you look at it today? <laughs> oh man. Oh. Let's see. That's a tough one. Um, beginnings. Beginnings are always really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the beginning of my very first book is the one that still, like, I like how it turned out, but I can still just, every time I look at it, I can still just feel like the, oh, that was such a pain to write. That was terrible. And I wrote it wrong 57 times before. <laughs> so I don't know, just every time I have to write a beginning, I think I have a little bit of a, oh, can we really do this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that you do a very good job considering <laughs> you're award-winning and you've got a very nice following. Thank so, you. Thanks. <laughs> you should be very proud of the work that you've put out for sure. <laughs> So what are you reading right now? I know that's really hard to do while you're writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I I read like uh, I've gotten to a point in my life where I read 
a bunch of different things at the same time. So I'll usually have like an audiobook going and like an ebook and then a like a paperback or something. So I'm reading um what is it called? The Cruel Gods. I think the is the series name. And then the name of the book is The 13th Hour. It was another one of the books that was in Spiffbo in my batch of finalists. Oh, so nice. I, I was trying to read all of those. And so that's the one I'm reading right now. And then I'm also listening to um The Whispering Dark. And then I have an arc called A Circle of Stars that I'm reading. So kind of That's all different, cool. all different things, all different genres, but it, how how in the world do you manage that many things <laughs> at the same time? I assume you're writing right now as well. I am, yeah. Yeah. So and and honestly, the reading will probably slow down a little bit because I did just barely start the first draft of the new novel that I'm writing. Usually when I'm working through a first draft, the reading kind of drops off yeah 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 we'll finish what we're reading now and then right right that that i think that the audio books are uh very helpful (laughs) because you you gotta have something else you can't just be focused on what you're writing it yeah although sometimes it can bleed over which i find to be irritating (laughs) be like this sounds familiar yeah yeah i definitely delete all of this yeah yeah (laughs) I think the yeah. last the last book I wrote I was listening to I can't remember what but there was a certain phrase that the author kept using and and I was listening to it on audiobook but then I went back and read the draft and I was like okay you've repeated that same exact phrase like five <laughs> times in these six chapters so we need to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what tools do you use? Are you a scrivener type person or are you uh a plotter what 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 kind of tools do you use when you're writing um my favorite tool right now for outlining is trello i think it's actually like a online platform that was made for like work projects and like organizing tasks and teams and stuff like that but it's a really good outlining tool it's very visual um and that helps me a lot as an artist i, I like to be able to see all the pieces laid out and move things around if i need to so i really like that I used to like do a lot of drafting in just Word, um, but since I started working and my schedule is kind of all over the place, I use Google Docs because then I can just kind of pop it open whenever I have a few minutes and, and try to get some words down. Yeah, I hear you. Google Docs is nice, especially for sharing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and editing for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what about editing programs? Like, uh, do you just uh, use the uh, grammar and spelling and grammar there in, in Google Docs, or do you use Grammarly or ProWritingAid or what have you? There's so many. Yeah, I just use what's in Google Docs. And then I um, have, you know, a team of people that I have go through it and um, and help me edit it. EJ Fish is actually a, like a phenomenal line editor, copy editor kind of person. She's very that like doesn't shock oriented. Me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good attention to detail. She catches all my all my little things, so that's helpful. That's awesome. She's yeah. kind of your critique partner. Yeah, yeah. Nice, very nice. What about what do you got coming up here? Going on? Are you going to be uh, anywhere? You you do live events, things like that. Yeah, I just started doing live events. Um, like back in November, I think was my first one. Um, and I was really scared to do that, but it's been like honestly it's my favorite thing to do now. I love it so much. It's super fun to like connect with people. And like, even if they don't buy anything, um, just to see them walk by and be like, Oh, your book covers are really cool. Or like, Oh my gosh, look at your art. That's cool. Like 
don't know. It's 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 a good validation kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. I really like it. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to my next big event is Fan Expo in Denver. So that'll be my first nice. like really big one. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I also we do wanted to go to Fan Expo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were gonna go. Well, we we talked about going. We decided not to go this year, but okay. Now I'm sad. I won't get to yeah, meet you in person. That's okay. Maybe next year. If it if it turns out well this year, I'll probably go back, but we'll see how it goes. So I'm super excited about that. I do my local farmers market um mm -hmm. as well, like a couple times a month, and that's been really fun too. That's cool. What was your first event? Um, it was Unicon in Las Vegas. So I, I only live like two hours from Las Vegas, so that was a nice easy one for me to try out. Um I thought you lived in Utah. I do live in Utah. I'm like right, right down by the border. So like oh, okay. I can literally throw a rock into Arizona from the other side of my neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm in New Mexico, so we're not oh, very okay. far right. apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm originally from uh, outside of Portland, Oregon, which oh, okay. EJ lives right up there too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. It's very funny. Yes. So what advice would you give to somebody just starting off right now their journey? Um, I think the biggest thing is like persistence. If you can stick with it, um, that's really like the hardest part of writing is just sticking with it. Um, so yeah, I just find if you're passionate about it, um, try to hold on to that and and keep going with it. There's going to be hard times. It's not always easy. Um, it's not always fun, but you know, just try to try to find the joy and the fun in it and hold on to that and keep going with it because. Um, Honestly, I think that's like 90% of it right there. It's just, just sticking with it. Persistence. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. What's the biggest challenge you've faced? Um, I think just the marketing <laughs> marketing is, I hate oh, it marketing. and it's hard and <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I just don't like it. I'm not good at it. I'm trying to get better, but it's, it's hard. <laughs> so much. Not me. <laughs> yeah. Nobody goes into writing books to like become like an expert marketing person. I don't think, right? Like we're just here I to hope tell not. stories. I'm yeah. sure there's somebody, but I, I'm sure, but not me. It's hard. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't come naturally to most of us. I think. I yeah, I really don't think so. I I went to a um, a local comic con, and there was you know uh, an author. You know, usually you have some author tables, but he was so vibrant about his stories and i just thought i am so inept <laughs> i could never ex explain my stories the way that he explained his i'm just like and i know how to public speak and i still can't do what he yeah. did to that level mm -hmm. and i think that i think that's probably one of the most difficult things for authors for the most part is being able to drive that that excitement that you have to others to give that yeah. to them um but it is hard marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah it's hard yeah so uh yeah that's very very exciting stuff so you're working on another novel is this a continuation with your current um uh, series yeah it'll be the final book in that series so it'll be a trilogy when it's done and then then that that'll be it um you're not next... gonna write any more than that in no that, no uh... no i'll write some more but not anymore in that series no uh, well, that's what I mean in that, yeah. in that, yeah. uh, in that world. Um, I don't know about in that world. I have like, there was like a pirate character, not a pirate character. She was like a former pirate. 
um a swashbuckling first book. yes for <laughs> anyways but i kind of want to write her backstory as like a standalone novel i think that would be really fun um but probably not yet um my next next story i want to write when this series is finished is something totally different i want to write like a uh isolation horror novel set on a derelict spaceship so <laughs> okay then now that's that is a jump i have to yeah. say yeah that's gonna be challenging at it least is. for me that'd be challenging yeah it is and this is why i am not good at marketing also because like we have the dystopian series and then we have this young adult fantasy thing and now we're gonna have this like horror novel you know just whatever the ideas wherever they take you um it would be nice you know, from a marketing standpoint to just stick to the same genre. I think that's kind of the standard advice, but you know, we don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand. Sometimes, sometimes you just can't, you gotta, you gotta write what comes. Exactly. I I hear you. I hear you definitely. So uh, you've got, you've got two girls. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. Are you encouraging them to write too? Um, yeah, I to you know just to do whatever speaks to them creatively. I think it's good to have some kind of creative outlet. Um, my youngest one is nine. She really likes to draw, mm. um, and is really into the art stuff lately. So that's been really fun. And then my oldest one is twelve, and she took a creative writing class in middle school this year. So that made me super happy. That's awesome. That, yeah. that the proud mama moment. Yeah, yes. yeah. That is very cool. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to come on. I know that uh, I know that you're probably pretty busy, and it is like eight or nine o'clock, or what is it, eight o'clock? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I know that asking a lot, so I appreciate you coming on and spending no, time no with us. Um, any anything that you want to hype, um, especially uh, um, any sales or events? You've got the Fan Expo coming up here in. August? No, June. It's end of June. Yeah. End of June to July, whatever that weekend is. Awesome. So you'll be in the, uh, have your own table set up? Mm -hmm. Yep. In Artist Alley. So I'll be over there. Nice. You going to have any good swag? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm still (laughs) trying to figure out what all I'm bringing. It's kind of, you know, panic mode a little bit right now, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. I I ran into an author and she had some kind of and I don't remember why, but she had seeds and she had seed packets that were oh, with cool. her art on it and everything from her book. And it somehow it tied in, but now I don't remember how. That's but really, it was really cool. cool. That. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could do something yeah. creative like that. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I mean, I have like the standard, I have like bookmarks and the stickers. I have character stickers too, if you want. You oh, you got character stickers. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you do all your character art? Most of it, I do, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Now, what's your website so that people can find you? Uh, It's just tahernandez.com. Where can they, uh, is that where you sell most of your books or do you want them to go somewhere else? Um, Most of my books are on Amazon usually and they're all, all of my novels are in Kindle Unlimited right now too. So if you have that. Ah, page reads. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then, um, just to give a quick, what synopsis of your your various uh, trilogies? So you've got a dystopian that is. Mm-hmm. 
So dystopian series, um, it's about an assassin who works for an authoritarian government in a future America and just kind of starts to realize that that system is, you know, not great for people and trying to break out of that a little bit. Um, and then I have a standalone fantasy novel set on a magical traveling circus in an alternate 1920s America. So that's a lot of fun. And then I have this young adult fantasy series that I'm working on. Um, it's about a man who's cursed with immortality. But like I said, he he can still technically die. He just comes back to life anytime, every time without his memories. Um, so he's trying, so there's like a, a quest and a magical mystery in that one. And there's two of those out currently. And the two third one you're writing currently. is mm -hmm. in yeah. production. Yes. In production. <laughs> and do you have an estimated time of release? Um, it'll be sometime in 2024, so I'm not sure yet, but yeah. Excellent. I, I try to get them out, get out a book every year, but. That's, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. That's yeah. not always easy to do. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much. And I will uh, have all the links to everything on, uh, on the show notes. So definitely check out, uh, Danny's stuff. I know that, uh, I've heard good things and I'm going to pick up some of the, especially the dystopian. I love dystopian. So I definitely be picking that up and uh, great. And congratulations on your award or your, your nomination. <laughs> That's Thank awesome. You. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks of for course. having me. This has been a geezers of the game production. If you'd like to support us, please find us on Patreon or buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Mick isn't who he thinks he is. Neither are the closest people around him, but is he ready to be someone else? In the era of extreme climate change, Mick is a menial laborer working for the Federal Tempest Corporation, who just happens to be calling the shots in Dome City. With only 15 million of the Earth's dwindling population allowed inside the Dome, he is lucky, or is he? When Mick receives an unexpected communication cast, his life is changed for good. Not only is he put on a path to a history he doesn't want, but he is also on the run with Federal Tempest troops on his tail, determined to capture him, whether alive or dead. Turning to help from his best friend, Leland, and girlfriend, Jolene, he quickly finds that they aren't who they claim to be either, and one leaves him high and dry, while the other is in just as much danger as him. What Mick doesn't know is that he's been off the radar for a year, and the mystery man from the communication has opened not just his past life, but his past love giving him the one person who he can possibly trust. Who exactly is Mick, and why are the Federal Tempest troops going to such great lengths to bury the truth? You will love this fast-paced cyberpunk dystopian romance about a man seeking the truth, love, and perhaps revenge. Get it now. Get your copy of The Factionist Old Recruit today at Amazon.com. The link is in the show notes.